Let's turn to Exodus this morning. I want to look at uh, the early life of Moses. I'll show you some things here. Now, we all know that Moses was born uh, among the Hebrews in captivity in Egypt. And just before he was born, uh, Pharaoh gave the command to the midwives to kill every male baby. So in Exodus 1, verse 15, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter then you shall, um, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. And then in chapter 2, I guess we could read some of these verses. Verse 1, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Now, this is because of the, uh, the edict from the, the king, from Pharaoh, to kill the, uh, the firstborn, or not, not just the firstborn, but uh, any, any male children. So you know the story. She takes uh, Moses, and she hides him for three months, and when she couldn't hide him any longer, she puts him uh, in a basket, and she puts him on, on the river, and she lets her daughter watch. And it just so happened that Pharaoh's daughter comes out and sees Moses, sees the baby there, and takes the baby. And she goes and sends for um, Moses' mother to come and nurse him. Verse 10. And the child grew, and she, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So Moses here becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now that doesn't have the impact on us that it would have in that society at that time. So she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. And then you know the story that eventually when he grows, he sees the oppression of the Hebrews, and he goes out and he kills one of the, the taskmasters and buries him in the sand. Now, I believe that Pharaoh's daughter was kind to Moses. I believe she took care of Moses. Moses had everything that he could possibly want. Uh, he had education. He had available to him all the riches and the schooling, and all that of Egypt. But it's quite interesting to see how when he grows, that there's something in his heart that's, that draws him, not just to the Hebrew people, although that was true. There's something that is drawing him to another place. And at that time, he doesn't really understand. He doesn't know. All he does is he, he reacts to what he sees. He sees the oppression of the people. And even though he has all this background now from a baby, being brought up, you know, in Pharaoh's house, he has all that for his background. And yet there is in his heart something that is moving and something that goes out to those he's seeing that are oppressed, that he knows that are his people. Now, at this point, he has no ties with them. He's completely cut off from all the Hebrews. He has no ties whatsoever. But if God puts something in your heart, you know, then that continues to move. And so we know the story that after he kills this Egyptian, that Pharaoh finds out, and he's, he's after Moses, he's going to kill Moses, and Moses flees to Midian, and of course he sits on the well and he drives the shepherds away, and so on. So he, he goes there, and he's invited now to the house of Jethro, the priest of Midian. 
and in um, verse chapter 2, verse 21. Then Moses was content to live with the man, this is Jethro, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. So now begins, from this time, he begins this life here in the desert. And it says, I believe it's in, it's either in Acts or Hebrews, I'm not sure, might be Acts, where it says that Moses was 40 years there in, in the desert, in the wilderness. Now in chapter 3 is where I want to show you, this is where we begin. He's been living there now for 40 years. Verse 1, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And so what he's doing here is just taking care of the sheep. He's shepherding. And it appears on the surface to be a meaningless thing. I mean, you know, anybody can, uh, after some instruction, can learn to shepherd animals and do certain things and actually he may have even thought well you know this is unbecoming of my upbringing my education in Egypt and here I am I'm out here doing this meaningless job when I have the education and maybe the character to do something much greater and this here is a very, very, very small beginning. And many times people don't want to do the low thing, the menial thing, something that's you know, below them. Uh, you ask someone in the business world who is wearing a three-piece suit, uh, okay, the janitor didn't come to work today. Would you please go in and clean the toilets? They're not going to do something like that. It just doesn't happen. And, and people in their heart, you know, they're, they're living, you know, in a higher place than they should. And in their mind, they're, they're living in this, this high and lofty place. And to be brought down and to do some task like that is just below them. And people will say that. They'll say, oh, that's, that's below me. I would never do that. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with animals, you know, you're, you're tending the flock. I had a friend of mine who was um, from Italy, and his family, and when he was in Italy, before they came over, over here, they were shepherds. And he would tell me certain things that he would do as far as, you know, with the sheep. And, you know, one of the things we never think of, you know, here you are, you're taking this bunch of sheep, and you're pushing them from one area to another with a staff or, or whatever, or using a dog, you know, you're walking along and you know what you're stepping in. You know what you're smelling like. And we don't think about that. And those that are high-minded, they're not going to step in animal do. They're not going to take care of the, the tasks like that. So God looks for a specific heart that will do things that are lowly. And he looks for those who will be faithful in doing a job. No matter what it may be, it may be something that is looked down upon by others. But God will look and he will see, is that individual? Or put it this way, are you, am I, as a Christian, doing something, and we may feel that it's, you know, I'm not too sure I really want to do this. But the Lord will look and he will see if perhaps that one can be found faithful in doing that without complaining. And as it says here in verse 21, chapter 2, and Moses was content to live with the man. That means that he was content to do what he was supposed to be doing at that particular time. He was content in doing that. And then here he is. He's found on the backside of the desert. 
He's not in the comforts of Egypt, and he doesn't have the prestige that he had when he was in Egypt. He's in a lesser place than he could have been. But look in Hebrews 11. Hold your place in the Exodus there. Hebrews 11. Just two verses. Verse 24. Hebrews eleven twenty-four. By faith... Now, th- that's very, very interesting. It says, by faith... When he came to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He did that by faith. It just wasn't this decision. He decided, well, you know what? I think I'm just going to go over here and do this or, or do that or not do. I'm not going to be associated. It says here that he did that by faith. So the Lord put something in his heart that was moving in a certain way. And he had to make a decision, which we're going to see as we read here, to to do and to move a certain way, to do a certain thing. So he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And as I said earlier, you know, she wasn't mean to him. She was very good to him. But yet there was, there was something else there in his heart. And then verse 25 says, choosing, and that's a key word. See, he, choose, he chose a certain course of action. So you and I will choose a certain course of action. And the choosing here, now listen, the choosing here was a choice by faith. It was just not, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to choose this. I'm I'm not going to to do this. No, 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 no. He chose to do a specific thing here by faith choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So let me, let me see here. Here you have the pleasures of sin for a season, and here you have suffering affliction. Now, now what's the choice? Well, you're not going to, to, to choose suffering affliction unless you're doing the choosing by faith. So Moses here chose to go a certain way. Now, that's before Exodus 3. That takes place before he's doing the shepherding thing, I believe, anyway, seems to me. So now in verse 1, chapter 3, Exodus He's tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he's le- he led the flock to the back of the desert. And Horeb's another name, I believe, of, of Sinai, the same mountain. Verse 2. Now, one of the things I, I was actually, before we read verse 2, one of the things I was thinking about was that it looked as though, for Moses, the opportunities of his life had passed. Have you ever had that happen to you? where, you know, a certain point in your life, you have certain things before you. And because the Lord has worked in your life and has caused you to move a different way, you have done that, and then you look and you glance at this other thing now, and you say, boy, my opportunities are gone. There they are. They're over there. And, and I, you know, I'm over here. It's like, it's past. My life is passing by, and the opportunities are passing by. Well, something's going to happen here in verse 2 that is very important. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So now you have something here that's taking place. It's, It's the presence of the Lord comes, the presence of the Lord. So Moses made this choice, and the opportunities from before are gone now. So there he is, thinking that, you know, well, you know, my life is over. If you understand what I'm saying, my life is over. 
And, and people will tell you that. <laughs> They'll say, you know what? You don't have a life. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Because my life's in God. Not according to the life you're thinking about. But now the presence of God comes. So I, I like this because I see a pattern here. You choose a certain way, and the Lord comes in his time. He'll come, and he'll manifest himself in some way. You know, it's nice to have the presence of the Lord. To have the Lord come by his spirit and to rest upon you, and, and you sense his presence. Oh, there he is. I sense him on the inside. I sense his hand upon me. Why, Lord, why do you care about you, me, you, you and I? Why do you care? You know, he, he loves you and he wants to be with you and fellowship with you, I think, more than you know. Now, here's Moses. He's walking along and he's not thinking about it, probably anything in particular. He's just doing what he's doing not expecting that that particular day he's going to encounter the presence of God. You come to church. You know, it might be another church service, but it might not be. You may encounter a special presence of God that won't stay with you all the time, but he will do something at that time that will help you and will keep you and will will give you direction, and so on. Verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. So now he has the opportunity. He's in the place now of opportunity. And the opportunity is here. Will you turn aside to the Lord? Or will you continue to do what you've been doing? Will you continue to go along and uh, continue on the course that you're, that you're on? I mean, Moses wasn't doing anything wrong, you understand. He was just in his mind. He had to take care of this particular thing. I had to take care of these sheep or whatever animals he was taking care of. You know, I have to take them from this point to that point for this reason. And, and that's on his mind, you see. And that's what he's doing. He's just doing his job. Now is the time of opportunity. Will he turn aside to the Lord? Will you and I turn aside to the Lord? Or, and will he get our attention? Or will we pass him by and continue on? You know, Moses could have continued on. He could have kept on going and took care of the sheep. So turn, turning aside... For Moses, and I believe for us both, we'll bring two things. We'll bring clarity and we'll be, bring perspective. See, we can think that things are the way they are and we function in what we know and what we do. And, okay, that's, that's all normal. That's, all, that's the way things are. This is how we're going. This is what was, what's going on. But we don't really have clarity as far as eternity. And we don't have perspective as far as our life and how that relates to the Lord and eternity. See, it's not until Moses turns to see the bush that's not burning, uh, it's burning but not consuming. It's, it's not until that time where the Lord says, and we'll see this in the next verse or two, where he says, to take off your shoes for the place that you're dwelling now is most holy ground. So now when he turns aside, he's going to have clarity. He's going to see that life the normal life does not have meaning apart from this place, 
apart from the presence of God. And the presence of God will place our lives in perspective because it will show us what is important and what is not important. We think all these different things, you know, are so important, so, so important. Well, I mean, they may be important to a degree, but the perspective of, of the importance of them will come in the presence of God. So in verse 3, he sees this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. So now he goes on and he says, Do not draw near this place, verse 5. Take your sandals off of your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Well, being around a holy God will bring life into perspective. See, that's why it's so good to be in church, and it's so good when the Lord moves, because you see things differently. Your heart will view things differently. Life will change for you and I. Now, he says here that this place is holy ground. And the only reason it's holy ground is because God is there. Apart from the Lord being there, it's just sand, it's rock, it's desert, it's, you know, what it is. But when the Lord can, can come close, and whenever we can approach Him, no matter where that is, that is a special place now where you will experience uh, the Lord in a way that hopefully will impact your life, not just for that particular moment, but as you move from that place, something is in you that impacts your life now continually. And, and you see this with Moses when he goes down, he's not the same. And then he goes up and he goes down and he goes out with the people when he leads the people. He's not the same. He's not the same person. Now, as you move on to verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. See, now this here becomes the place of revelation for Moses. Where the Lord is going to reveal himself. He's going to speak to Moses and reveal certain things to Moses. that are going to be critical for him in his continuing in what the Lord is going to call him to do. Moreover, he said, I am uh, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So when you go on here, and we'll read a few more verses, I think, here. Uh, starting at verse 7. God, this is, this is quite something. When you stop and you really think about it and meditate upon it. Now the Lord is communicating with Moses, but the Lord is going to tell Moses what's upon his heart. He's going to tell him what's on upon, upon his heart. I mean, like, the Lord doesn't have to do that. But he's going to show him something. He's going to reveal something that's on his heart for a reason. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from, from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the, uh, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the uh, Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. 
So he's, he's revealing his heart now to Moses. Now, he couldn't have revealed his heart unless Moses turned aside. See, unless the heart turns to the Lord, he cannot reveal certain things. He just can't. But the heart that turns to the Lord, see, now the Lord has something there to work with, and he, he can now start to share what's on his heart. Now, verse 10 He's going to say something to Moses. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Oh, Lord, I thought you were going to do this. Now you're saying that you're going to send me. So he he tells him what's upon his heart, and now he has to decide whether he is going to conform. So here's the conformity. This is on my heart. This is what I want done. Will you conform to that or will you not? So Moses had the choice, just like every Christian has the choice. The Lord can call. Now after he calls, he starts to show him what he wants him to do. Now comes the, the, I don't want to say the problem, but now comes the, actually the opportunity to conform to what he's hearing and seeing or not to. And many a person, many a Christian, has not conformed to the particular call or direction that God has had. For many reasons, you know, they don't like it, they don't want to do it, they feel that they're not capable, they don't want to go to a particular place, uh, they don't want to suffer the loss of certain things, you know, whatever. They're interested in a career. Uh, you know, there are many, many, many different uh, reasons why they don't conform. Now, in Romans, hold your place there. Romans 12. Now, for Moses to continue, he must conform. You get that? For him to continue with his relationship with the Lord and continue on down uh, the path that the Lord has cut out for him, he must conform. If he does not conform the relationship changes. See, if we don't conform, we may be saved. You know, we will go to heaven. But the relationship with the Lord will not be the same. In Romans 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Well, that's a danger. See, the Lord calls us out from the world and wants to clean us up, and wants to give us a, a purity within that is no longer entangled or conformed with this present age. And so he says here, do not be conformed to this world because that is an ever-present danger for the Christian. That something will come along that will, so to speak, tickle your fancy and get your attention so that now you're, conform, you're, you're conforming to some other image rather than to the image of Christ. And this becomes an internal thing. So it's, it can, it, the internal thing can be influenced by the external thing, but it's not an external thing. It's an internal thing where your heart goes out to something and begins to move in that, and now that becomes like, like an anaconda, you know, and it just starts slowly, and it starts to wrap itself around before you know starts to choke all the life out of a person. So, the spiritual life. 
So the, um, this world, being conformed to this world, see, the enemy of your soul is very, very tactful. And he knows what to place in front of you. And if one thing doesn't work, he'll try another thing. If that doesn't work, he'll try another thing. If that doesn't work, he may wait a while, and he will come in a way you would never think. It doesn't doesn't look bad. Matter of fact, it looks good. Oh, the fruit. It doesn't look bad. Why can't I eat that? It looks pleasant to the eyes. So there's many ways that the enemy can... can, uh, put things before us to try to draw us down a particular path. And if, if we are not in tune with the Lord to see that, or if we start down a path and we're not open to hear from the Lord, from the Spirit of God, then we can be drawn down a path and be conformed to this world. And, and this happens all the time. So he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Moses here has to conform to what he's hearing and seeing if he is going to continue with the Lord. And you know the story. He says, oh, I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, you know. In my experience, the Lord doesn't really, I mean, he gives you grace, but he doesn't, he doesn't really care too much for the excuses. He doesn't really let you get away with the excuses that we think are valid, because he knows better. So in, let me just read one more verse here. You know this verse. As obedient children, not conforming, um, the King James says, not fashioning yourself. Uh, not conforming yourself, same, same meaning, to the former lusts in your ignorance. And then Philippians, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So there's, there's various... Um, Conformities. There's different things that we are to be conformed to. But in this instance, Moses is to be conformed to what he's uh, hearing and seeing, which is he needs to go to uh, deliver the people. So back in chapter 3 of Exodus, but Moses said to God, verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So Moses is not really fond of the methods that the Lord is using to conform him because he's going to be changed. And, you know, you and I are to be changed, but we might not be too keen on the methods that God wants to use. Do you you have faith? Moses it said, by faith, he, he did this, he did that. He, he's not going to be, uh, he decided, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Can you, by faith, allow the Lord in his method to conform your life? Because you might not lo- like the process, but by faith will you allow him. But I like verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Now, that's, that's nice. The Lord reassures him. Now, I understand he's seeing this burning bush. And the Lord says, I'll be with you. Well, that's kind of reassuring. Lord's, oh, the Lord's going to, look at, look at the, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. He's going to be with me. Now, Moses goes, but, you know, whenever he's going into Pharaoh, he's not seeing the burning bush. He's not in the presence of the Lord there. So he's going by faith. So the Lord appears to him, says, I will be with you. Well, that's really nice. But, you know, even though the Lord was with Moses, he still had a difficult time of it. Pharaoh didn't listen to him. He had to go in there, was it 10 times, 10 plagues? 
He had to deal with Pharaoh continually. He had to, to deal with his wife, Zipporah. He's going to have to deal with the rebellion of the children of Israel. In all that, see, he has to remember that he heard, I will be with you. See, so he's not going to have an easy time. It's not going to just be, well, now the Lord's going to be with me. It's just, everything's just to go smooth. Just because the Lord's with you does not mean you, you won't have a struggle. doesn't mean that everything is going to go smoothly. But by faith, you know, Moses went. By faith, you have to continue on. You have to allow the Lord, you don't have to, but I'll say it that way, to continue to become. You have to allow the Lord to use his method to conform you. So in verse 19, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let uh, let you go. This is the Lord saying this. I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So he says, I'm going to be with you. And then he tells him, he's not going to let you go. I say, what? What do you mean he's not going to let me go? Even though I come with a mighty hand, you're, you're, you're with me. See, so he's going to have to, to push through certain things. But I like verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. Well, it's nice when the Lord stretches out his hand for you. Has he ever done that? You're in something and you're pressing and you're pressing and you don't seem to quite be getting too far. And all of a sudden the Lord stretches out his hand and there's a breakthrough there. There's a breakthrough. Now I want to read two verses. This is from Hebrews where we started looking before. Um, related to Moses, the faith of Moses. It says, this is from the Amplified. He, Moses, considered the contempt and abuse and shame born for the Christ, the Messiah, who, who was to come. That's just an amazing thought that... Long, 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 long before Jesus was born, that Moses says, I'm going to bear the shame for Christ. I am going to, to bear whatever needs to be bore for the sake of Christ, the Messiah. Thousands of years before that. To be, he says, he considered the tempt and the contempt and abuse and shame born for the Christ to be of greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. Now, how he saw that, I don't know. I believe it was this revelation, uh, maybe in the wilderness, that <clears throat> when the Lord appeared to him, he knew that all the treasures of Egypt were not greater than the wealth of bearing this contempt for Christ. You have to have a revelation of that to function like that. For he looked forward and away to the reward. Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind him, being unawed and undismayed by the wrath of the king of Pharaoh. And he never flinched, but held staunchly to his purpose and endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible. Now, it seems as though this, I mean, when you, when you read it, it seems as though he's talking about before the burning bush. I don't know. You know, he had faith in God. By faith, he went. And he did. And he decided, he chose, rather to suffer the affliction uh, with God's people than to, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, by faith. And so, <clears throat> he's decided in his heart, he chose in his heart, 
that he was going to go the Lord's way, whether it was difficult or whether it was not. I mean, he didn't know what was going to happen. When he went into to Pharaoh, you know, I would imagine that if you change the water from water to blood, that's pretty impressive. I mean, just think if you could do that now. Pretty impressive. Or cause all these insects, these flies to come. You know, wave your staff and here they come. Kill the land. Pretty impressive. I, I don't think he was expecting Pharaoh to be so hard to reject each one of those uh, plagues. Ten of them. So you, you don't know what you're going to encounter. That's why faith. That's why you look to God in faith, believing and trusting him that he will be with you and his hand will go out, will be stretched out when it needs to be stretched out to have you go through a particular door or whatever, go a particular way. Now, in Exodus 23, just want to read a couple verses here in closing. You don't have to turn there. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Conformity, this is, I was looking at this. Conformity will bring one into being in the minority. So if you are going to conform to that which the Lord is, is bringing to you, you will be in the minority. Now listen to this. This is an exodus. It says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. So the majority will do wrong. So if you are going to conform to that particular word, then you will be brought into the minority. And you see that you know, throughout the scriptures here. The one thought I had was the remnant. You see the, the remnant throughout the scriptures. And they were conforming to God's word. And because they were conforming to God's word, they were brought into the minority. And I'll read something from John. John 15. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world... But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So choosing the Lord here, um, choosing not to be of the world, puts you in this class, this minority, which is the elite, actually, or the elect, as the Bible says. Becoming the elect of God. You just don't become elect of God because you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I mean, there's going to be certain choices. And through those choices, by faith, walking along with him, not being conformed to this world, not being uh, and functioning as the world functions, but as Jesus said, I have taken you out of the world. So, so now you've, you've become the minority. Very, it's like a disciple. Disciples are very special people. Not all Christians are disciples. Disciples are very special. And not all, well, all might want to be disciples, but not all will do what is necessary to be a disciple. So in 2 Corinthians 6, let me read another verse here in John. This is Jesus they praying to the Father, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So you see once again, you know, they're conforming to his word, Jesus' word, and now they're, they're, they're in the minority. I mean, it's okay to be in the minority. Um, wide is the gate that leads to destruction? Narrows the gate that leads to life. Well, that, you're, you're talking about the majority and the minority. Why is the gate? That's the majority. 
in Second um, Corinthians, uh, James says this, don't, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? But in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, we all know this verse. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. So when he says here, come out from among them and be separate, he's, he's taking someone that's in the majority, and now because they're going to conform to his word and they're going to allow the Lord to work in their life, he's bringing them into the minority. He's bringing them out of the world, out of the majority, to a place now close to him. You know that, and you see this throughout even the Old Testament, the majority are not in the presence of God. You know that, right? There's various steps, but you know, whenever you you see Moses goes up, and in a point in time, um, does he take Aaron? Does Aaron go up with him? I believe at one point. But you see him, he takes Joshua. And him and Joshua go up. And, and you have this minority there. And then you see with the prophets, they have certain certain experience where Ezekiel and Isaiah and even John, they see something very, very different and very uh, special, if you will. Because they have allowed the Lord to conform them or, or they were conformed to the call. So you have with Moses, in, and we'll stop with this, you have with Moses in Exodus 3, where the Lord calls to him. So you have the call. But after that, he shows him the will of God. You go to Egypt. I'm going to use you to deliver the people. Now, there must be a conforming to that. So the call is good. The call is good. But the call does not mean that the person is going to be conformed. It's the call. It's the invitation. So something must take place now. You're called, but you have to wait for the instruction or the communication or uh, the Lord showing you what it is that you should be doing. And then once you, you know that, then you are to be conformed to that. Because the fulfillment of what the call is all about and the purpose that God has cannot be accomplished unless we are conformed to that word, whatever it may be, conformed to what he's showing. Moses would never have been able to to continue on all the things that we read in Exodus after this, you know, him going into Pharaoh, and them being delivered uh, into the desert, going through the Red Sea, going into the wilderness. None of that would be possible if Moses did not conform to the will of God, if he didn't conform to what the Lord was showing him to do such and such. It would never have happened. We, we take it for granted that this, this, was, this was a man's decision. He chose. And look what was written after that, all because he chose a certain direction. So we don't really realize sometimes how important certain decisions are. When the Lord showed me years ago to come to this church, I didn't really realize how important that decision was, but that decision has shaped my life and shaped the lives of my family, and probably others. That's just one decision. So one decision you make, one decision, can shape the rest of your life, and can shape the lives of those in close contact with you. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and we have this thing called a will. 
So I like this where it says in Hebrew that, that Moses, by faith, Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to, than to endure uh, or to have the, the pleasures of sin for a season. So he chose. So when, when the Lord brings things to you, just be aware that your decision, it may not seem very important, but a decision can mean a lot. If you're in a place like that today, choose by faith to be conformed to what the Lord has shown Rivers of living water